So uh, here's what I knew. There's a book uh, about mapping. It's uh, No, it's not about mapping. It's about the mental maps that we make and carry with us. Maps of where we live, um, maps of like the places we travel the most. So for me, the streets closest to Bethany, um, the ones between Bethany and First Slice Cafe at Lill Street, um, the stretch of Paulina between Winnemac and Bethany, because when I walk to church, that's how I walk. The routes that I take most regularly to run. So the book, as I remembered, it was about those mental maps. The book was about how at the edges of our maps, the places where we don't go as much or don't go at all, our mental images sort of gray out. Does that sound familiar, I'd ask people? Does that ring any bells? I think it might be a, like a landscape architecture book. Surprisingly, that was not enough for most people to go on. But it was enough to capture my imagination for almost 20 years because I could feel it. I could feel the sense in which it described something true. I could feel the pleasure when two parts of my own mental map turned out to fit together. Like when I biked to a place that I'd only ever taken the train before and I would realize, oh, that this little pocket of the city that I knew quite well actually connected to this other little part of the city that I knew quite well in a, in a way that I hadn't known before. Oh, somehow I hadn't realized. Without knowing or remembering this book, I had a mental image of those mental images. I could imagine my mental map. I could imagine myself popping up like a prairie dog in one part of the city, uh, looking around Logan Square, let's say, and popping back underground. And there were places where the edges of the few parts of Logan Square that I knew well, the part near 90 Miles Cuban Cafe or the part near Revolution Brewery, the places at the edge would gray out. It took me years, for example, to realize that El Cid, which is the Logan Square restaurant where I first had lunch with and met my darling friend, Eric, was just across the park from Lula Cafe, where I first had a meal with my foodie friend, Cassie. El Cid and Lula Cafe are so close to each other. But in between them, for years, Prairie Dog Me had only fuzzy gray and no connecting paths at all. I had images of the images, but I could not track down that book. And until we started to think about this on location series, I didn't pursue it that hard. But then I started to hunt it down in earnest. I asked my friend who runs an event called Nerd Night. Surely he has heard someone talk about this book. It's extremely nerdy. I asked a friend who hosts a radio program about the invisible ideas that shape our world. If she didn't know about it, who would? I tagged a near stranger on a Facebook post because she always shares photos of architectural details in Chicago that she spots out on walks, but no dice. Finally, I went reluctantly to what I had assumed all along was the source an old best friend who's no longer a friend at all because she told me a long time ago that she didn't want to be. Thanks to the pandemic, we're back in touch. Well, I wouldn't say we're back in touch actually. We're on a group text with people who used to have a weekly meal together in a different city 15 years ago. 
The group text includes people I don't know whose names I haven't synced up with the phone numbers yet, strangers who celebrate or share photos of their kids schooling at home. Anyway, my ex-best friend is on the text thread. And so I texted her coolly to ask this book, mental maps, the edges gray out, ring any bells? And the answer came back coolly. I think it's the image of the city, the book that Bethany read from. My hazy memory of the book was right. It's so good. It's so good for us. It's so good for on location. It's a book that describes how we conceive of our cities. I mean, mostly it's a book about the look of cities and whether or not that can be changed. I skipped all of the dense middle because that's the part for architects who wanna think in deep technical ways about designing the urban landscape. But the edges of the book, the ones I remember grayly, they are so good. At the opening edge of the book, in the introduction, Kevin Lynch describes someone walking through a city and says, at every instant, there is more than the eye can see more than the ear can hear, a setting or a view waiting to be explored. Nothing is experienced by itself, but always in relationship to its surroundings or the sequence of events leading up to it or the memory of past experience. Every citizen has long associations with some parts of the city and the image is soaked in memories and meaning. El Cid, where I first met Eric, right across the park, where I went to meet Cassie. It turns out they're connected closely. But it's not good just for the satisfying click of recognition when a prairie dog like me recognizes a path that's always been there. A clear mental image that lets you move easily or quickly also serves, Lynch says, as a broad frame of reference, an organizer of activity or belief or knowledge, a clear mental image gives you the possibility of choice and a starting point to gain more knowledge. So if you walk around Logan Square clockwise from El Cid, from Lula to El Cid, you pass the comfort station where sometimes there's shape note singing that I attend with my friend Kelly. And if you keep going, you pass Reno where I've met my friend Sarah at least once on the patio. The whole short path filled with memory and meaning. A clear mental image. Here's what this place is like. Here's how I move around in it. Here's how I get from here to there. It's also useful, so grounding until or unless the image is not clear, something external changes or is changed. Lynch writes that the city is a product of many builders who are constantly changing the structure for reasons of their own, which I read is quite ominous. Our internal image can be wrong. It can be misimagined, misdrawn after years of not seeing it right. The city of Jerusalem is both a place and an idea. It has been for a very long time. Already by the time of the prophet Isaiah, Jerusalem was both a place and an idea. A place that you could navigate with a map or directions from a friend and a mental image. It's a place where you could shop for groceries or 
Kevin Lynch's weird example, you could find a button store there. And it's a place where you could picture God's justice being meted out evenly, God's plenty being shared equally. But by the time of the prophet Isaiah, the vision, the mental image had become like a sealed document. That's what it says in Isaiah right before what Bethany read. The vision of all this had become for you like the words in a sealed document. It has been given to those who can read with the command, read this. And they say, we can't read for it's sealed. And it's given to those who cannot read saying, read this. And they say, we can't read. The people had the vision. They had the mental image, but it was useless to them mostly because they had made no use of it. They, they weren't in the time of the prophet Isaiah putting the pieces together. They weren't putting together how closely connected was God's vision for justice and their own well-being. They were stuck going nowhere fast. Our internal maps are always incomplete. I'm talking theory like Lynch. I'm talking Logan Square. I'm talking our map for the kingdom of God, a new Jerusalem. Our perceptions are partial, fragmentary, and mixed with other concerns. That's Lynch. Our wayfinding on these partial maps. It's only ever as good as our current image of the map, our current perceptions of our ability to figure out which way the arrow on the sign at O'Hare is pointing. That's me. Our path forward, when we turn to the right or to the left, our path forward is in the direction that our ears hear a word behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's Isaiah, the part that Bethany read. That's God revising and adding to the mental image, the vision that's God making and showing us the ways that things are connected. Sometimes our mental maps aren't enough on our own. They can be wrong, not just incomplete, but wrong because we've understood or internalized something the wrong way because changes happen and we're slow to integrate them. Something changes in the culture or in a relationship or our job or our spiritual life. And we strive, I strive, I strain to understand by the map that I have been using, that's no longer up to the task. It's no longer up to the task of getting me where I'm going. Our mental maps aren't enough because sometimes without good signs, we can be on the right path and not even know it. I think even with my phone, if it's, if it's just out of range enough, even when I have the directions and I'm on the way, if I can't see some external confirmation that I'm headed in the right direction, I'm anxious. I can feel disoriented. Is this the road that I'm supposed to be on? But the prophet Isaiah said to the people in Jerusalem, the place and the idea, that God was just waiting to show them the way, that God was there on the edges where maybe they had stopped looking, that God was right behind them, a teacher not hidden from them, but ready to whisper this way, 
when they turn to the right or the left. <laughs> when Vince asked me when we talked about this sermon first, what do you think the signs are? How do we know what good signs are? I said, I don't know. I'll probably land on something like the ones that look like love. Then earlier in my prayer last week, I read about the priest Roland Walls, who said that looking for the will of God and following Jesus are the same thing. Following Jesus is to walk step by step and not knowing what's next. There's no book, he said, that can you can rely on. You just have to discern somehow the way before you and which way is the way of love. And the prophet Isaiah says it comes as a whispered voice, always there when you turn to the right or the left. This is the way. <laughs>